heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the word of the Lord. And that's horrifying. We continue in the Sermon on the Mount series. Today we're in the Gospel of Matthew, verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 21 uh, through 26. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn there. If you don't have a Bible and would like one, there are some available on the tables in the back. Of course, you could use your digital device. And today we're using the English Standard Version. Uh, a couple of quick notes before we begin. Number one, I hope that you heard Don uh, mention this and also saw the sign out front that today's sermon is PG-13. Uh, and I'm probably going to curse. So actually, I will curse. So um, if, uh, if, yeah, now I have your attention. If you don't want Pastor Caleb to teach your kids words and you want to save them so you can teach them, um, I would strongly encourage you uh, to um, take advantage of our amazing Adventure Kids program. Uh, the check-in is in through the lobby. Um, trigger alert. That's it. Number two, um, we have uh, additional resources, including a study guide available to you at that website, uh, dsbc.church sermons. And so we post the audio, the video of the sermons, as well as study guide material and extra resources uh, on that website. So I would strongly encourage you uh, to check that out. We also, uh, there's a place you can sign up for uh, email um, uh, recaps that'll come to you every week with further uh, study and opportunities for uh, commentary and things like that. So I'd encourage you to check that website out. Today, uh, we are studying uh, Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount on anger, uh, on unrighteous anger, malicious expletives, and hellfire. Isn't that so encouraging? Right? Like, aren't we just, I mean, last week we had the Beatitudes and everyone was feeling great, right? Blessed are the peacemakers, wonderful. Today, unrighteous anger, malicious expletives, and hellfire. Yeah. Yeah. Right? We're ready to see if Pastor Caleb's going to get fired for the sermon today. Today, we are talking about unrighteous anger, malicious expletives, hellfire. And the second thing we're going to talk about is handle your business quick. Because we're talking about unrighteous anger, malicious expletives, and hellfire. Here we go. Look at verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother or sister, will be liable to judgment. Angry. You see what Jesus does? Okay, so check this out. Jesus, uh, now here in this uh, opening salvo, after the Beatitudes and after Jesus says, I have not come to uh, abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, now what Jesus is going to do here in verses 21 and on is he's going to do this interesting thing where he says, you have heard it said, blah, 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 but I say to you this. You've heard it said, but I say to you. Now what he doesn't do is he doesn't say, 
The Old Testament says, but I say to you, look at what he says. You've heard it said, but I say to you. And what he's going to do is he's going to highlight things that were being said about the Old Testament law, certain traditional understandings of the Old Testament law. And he's going to uh, bring those to fruition. He's going to tease out certain things from the law because Jesus here is speaking to uh, a gap people, many of whom are religious individuals who think that they're good people. Do you know anyone in our context or your neighborhood who says, I'm a good person? Have you ever met that person? Some of us are that person. We think if I live a good moral life, then God owes me. And we have in our minds a certain list of rules. Well, at least I'm not, so check this out. I've heard people say, well, at least I'm not a thief. Well, at least I'm not a murderer. Well, at least I'm not a Green Bay Packers fan. All of these heinous things people say to justify their own existence. You with me? You've heard people say this, right? Well, you know, I try to live a good life. And at least I'm not fill in the blank. Now, Jesus likely was speaking to a crowd of people, many of whom were operating by that principle. And here he begins to say, oh, you might have heard it said, don't murder. But I say to you. Now, here he is speaking with authority. In fact, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it says that many people were in awe because Jesus was speaking with such authority. Now, Jesus uh, claims to be God incarnate, and he proves that in that he not only predicted his death, burial, and resurrection, he also did it. So for, 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 for those of us who know about Easter, Easter isn't about tradition, it's a celebration of a historical fact that Jesus is God in the flesh. And here he is speaking with authority. You've heard it said, anyone who doesn't murder, you shall not murder. But I say to you, anyone who's angry with their brother or sister unjustly, it's like murder. Look at verse 22. I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be liable to judgment. Now, that anger there, and I want want to tease this out a little bit, that anger there, that's not righteous anger. Jesus himself experienced righteous anger, godly anger. There are many things the scripture says that God is angry about, like unjust killings. Scriptures teach God gets angry at those things, but it's a righteous anger. What Jesus is speaking of here is unrighteous anger. Y'all with me? Now, Here's the question. When I'm angry, which I'm Irish, so if you wonder if I'm angry at any given time, yes, I am angry. In my anger, I have to ask myself, in the midst of my anger, is this righteous anger? Hmm? Is this, am I mad because God's mad at this thing? Or is this unrighteous anger? Am I mad because it affronts it's an affront to me, or it offends me. Is God angry at this thing? And if so, am I experiencing righteous anger, or do I have unrighteous anger? And one of, the, one of the things that I generally try to do is say, before I was angry, or in the midst of my anger, did I feel personally offended? Was it an attack on my dignity, worth, and value, or was it an attack on something that God says is just or unjust? I believe that we can look at something, an injustice, and there can be righteous anger towards that injustice, and there can be unrighteous anger towards that injustice. 
And so here we have the Lord speaking to us saying, anyone who's got this unrighteous anger towards their brother and sister is liable to judgment. And religious folks, it's interesting that Jesus is speaking to a bunch of religious folks in the Sermon on the Mount. Religious folks tend to be prone to this. Let me ask you. Don't, you don't need to reply out loud. In our moment, in our cultural moment, in our, in our place and time, our Christians, let's pick on Christians for a minute. And if you're not a Christian, I'm glad you're here. You get to watch me pick on Christians and curse. Congratulations, you picked a great Sunday. <laughs> are Christians known predominantly for being meek peacemakers or for being angry? Now, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that the majority of Christians are not meek peacemakers. The interesting thing about meek peacemakers is no one knows they're doing it because they're what? Generally meek peacemakers. And no, I have never read a headline in the national news that said, Christian humbly and quietly serves their community with no expectation of uh, verbal praise. Never read that before in my life. What I tend to read, though, is people proclaiming the name of Christ acting hypocritically because that makes the news, right? And so I'm certainly not arguing that the majority of Christians are, uh, are angry, uh, raging individuals, but certainly there is a tendency for many of us who think if I'm just a good person, that kind of religious morality, that kind of uh, uh, moral legalism, there, there is a tendency for us uh, to get angry unjustly. Here the Lord speaks to that issue. And let me ask, you mad? I was, uh, I had a, uh, uh, the, the, the gift of being able to be away from Sunday through Wednesday. I was, spent some time in Colorado with a bunch of other leaders and it was basically just for myself uh, so that I don't like, you know, ruin my life um, as a leader, which is definitely something I could be prone to do if I don't take time to rest and Sabbath for myself. But, but I got back, and I, I, I got back online on Thursday, and stuff happened when I was away, interestingly enough. And not only did things happen, uh, but many of us were mad about things or angry about things. I, I, I'll just name a few that as I was just reading through uh, Facebook and Twitter, uh, and I'm, I, I hope that you understand that we're talking about anger, and so I'm going to talk about things that make us angry. Uh, I'm certainly not trying to uh, intentionally provoke you, uh, but if you find that you are angry, um, we can talk about that. If you think that I misstep, let's talk about that. Let's have a conversation about that. Uh, but I'm intentionally just going to mention things like uh, Las Vegas, and by the way, I'm so proud of our team. In my absence, they, they spent some time prayerfully crafting a, a wonderful letter that they sent to the congregation uh, encouraging us how to pray and how to process uh, the tragedy that happened in Vegas. And if you didn't get that email, it's, it's likely it's either in your spam box or because we don't have your email address. If you'd like to get those, uh, you can visit Direct and Connect, make sure they've got your email address. But it was such a wonderfully crafted uh, letter to point us to Jesus in our pain and our confusion and in our anger. There are many of us who, in light of that, are now angry at one view, check this, one view or the other as it relates to our society's view on guns. And there are some of us who are angry at each other in this congregation. 
With such a diverse congregation, uh, you shouldn't be surprised that people in your church family have very different views than you, outside of our view on Jesus. And so we're raging about guns, we're angry about immigration, unjust killings, protests, and Protestants protesting, Protestants protesting. Like some of my Protestant friends are protesting, and some of my other Protestant friends are protesting, the Protestants protesting. And I wonder if we understand what a Protestant is. 500 years ago, Martin Luther did something. They called it a protest. I'm not saying that certain protests are right or wrong. I'll leave that to you. I just want to say, for those of us that are Protestants, check the name, okay? Just be, just, I'm just saying that, okay? If you want to talk about what I think about um, different protests, I'd be glad to do that 30 years from now um, when I retire. So my question to you, if you're mad, if you're angry, is it righteous or unrighteous? Are you personally offended or are you feeling like this is an injustice and the Lord speaks to this issue and I believe that the Lord is righteously angry at this issue as well? You see? Do you see the difference? In the midst of our unrighteous anger, we can tend to categorize people and call them names. Uh, in verse 22, check this out. I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults their brother or sister will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. TV timeout. We're talking about name calling, aren't we? And most of us think that's a childish thing, right? And Jesus says it's so serious that we're going to talk about judgment, the courts, and hellfire. Do you see that Jesus treats name calling seriously? Yeah. He doesn't throw around hellfire that often. And so maybe we ought to rethink our views on what it means to call a person a derogatory name. Jesus seems to think that it's a big deal. I say to you, everyone who is angry with their brother or sister is liable to judgment. Whoever insults their brother or sister will be liable to the council. Now that language, that, that language of insult their brother or sister, that, that the translation is uh, raka or raka, which is a, um, uh, it's an Aramaic expletive. Je Jesus said it, just real quick. He says, anyone who, who calls their brother or sister this particular slur or this expletive, which basically uh, means, and here we go, earmuffs, basically means dumbass, empty-headed, worthless. Anyone who calls their brother or sister that name is liable to the council. Now, this is interesting because, so check this out. Before I call a person that name, which, full transparency, I have called people that name, some of you are here now. <laughs> Before I call a person that name, first, I'm angry unrighteously at them. You with me? First, we're going to start with unrighteous anger. Then we're going to get to the courtroom of my mind, where I try my case before my own self and find the other person to be guilty. The irony in all of this is, is that that pronouncement of idiot or empty-headed or dumbass, that pronouncement 
is a statement, it's a decree from the courtroom of my mind where I have tried you and found you guilty. Do you see? Now the irony here is that Jesus is saying, if you do that, you will be liable to the court. Do you see the irony in what Jesus says there? You will be liable to the court. Now that court has this language of the religious court, possibly the Sanhedrin, where you will stand before your leaders and give an account. If you proclaim that pronouncement on another person, you will be liable to the court. And this is no uh, simple matter, going before the court. And then he says, if you call somebody a fool, look at what he says. You say, whoever says you fool to a brother or sister will be liable to the hell of fire. That language of fool might, might be similar to, um, actually, it's, it's difficult to translate because it's not only someone who's stupid, it's also someone who's immoral, right? Someone who, someone who has immoral um, sensibilities or who's done immoral things. And what we know about religious folks who, apart from the gospel, view themselves as righteous... We know that when I say I'm a good person, that means that I get to decide that you're not a good person and you're an immoral person and you're, you're subject to the fire of hell. And here Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you make that pronouncement on someone else, you are subject to the hell of fire. You see, to say to someone, um, you're damned or damn you, that's a pronouncement on that person's moral character. Hmm? But what Jesus says is, no, no, no. You say that to someone else, you might be responsible. You might face the fire of hell. Do you see the irony, the bitter and, and sharp irony of Jesus here? He's turning it in on itself. Because Jesus proclaims to us that it's not simply the act of murder that God is concerned with. You see, in the law it said, don't murder. In fact, in Genesis 9, 6, it says this as well. Whoever sheds the blood of men or women, by men or women shall their blood be shed. For God made mankind in his own image. The reason that we don't shed blood is because God made us in his image. You with me? Oh, let me try that again. The reason we do not shed the innocent blood of others, the reason we don't do unjust killing, murder, is because people are made in the image of God. Are you with me? Yes. It's called the Imago Dei, the image of God. Every person, okay, so check this. Every person, including the people you hate, every person is made in the image and likeness of God. Every person, every person, say it with me, every person, including the people you hate, you despise, you think are despicable. They have inherent dignity, worth, and value because they are made in the image and likeness of God. Jesus died, P.S., Jesus died to save sinners of whom I am chief. Every person has inherent dignity, worth, and value. And when we call someone's uh, a derogatory name or a slur, when we do that, it's, a, it's attempted murder at the image of God in that individual. When we slander, when we gossip, when we curse, when we call names, it is attempted murder of the imago Dei in the individual that we're targeting. Do you see how seriously Jesus is taking this? 
Why is Jesus talking about name-calling and murder? Because name-calling unjustly is attempted murder at the image of God and the other individual. Now check this out. I did want to say this. Um, Jesus does righteously call names. So I want to say that. There are times and places that it is righteous for us to call something out. Jesus called uh, some of the religious leaders in his day a brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs. Jesus was not against uh, calling out a name, but what Jesus did was he would call out a name for the other person's conviction and flourishing, not for their destruction. You with me on that? When Jesus would use harsh language, he did it for the flourishing of the individual he was speaking to or at, not for their destruction. If you find that there is a moment that you need to speak a word to somebody, make sure it's for their flourishing and not for their destruction. You all right? There's righteous anger and there's righteous name calling. There's unrighteous anger and there's unrighteous name calling. And it's a matter of conviction that we have to decide and decipher where are we in those particular stories. My background I'm going to blitz through this real quick. If you want to talk more about it, I'd be glad to. Before I came to know the Lord, I was a neo-Nazi skinhead, and boy, did we have names for everyone in this room. And they were derogatory. They were words that made you subhuman. At war... There is a tendency in, the, in any different nation's propaganda to name the enemy a subhuman name, a name that belittles the image of God within them. Of course, it's to make it easier for us to kill. My grandfather, who I loved and respected, till he, and he passed, and I still love and respect him, he served in World War II, and he had names for people, and they were subhuman names, and I honor and respect his service, but I do not honor and respect that attitude towards certain individuals made in the image and likeness of God who are different. Just because they're different meant that they're subhuman. No. Every person, including our enemies, is made in the image and likeness of God. Trigger warning. These are words that I've seen on Facebook or Twitter, and I follow most of you. Everyone's nervous now. I'm not going to name you. (laughs) Monsters. Pigs. Animal. Idiot. Moron. Millennials. (laughs) Boomers. Flaming libtards. Arrogant, racist, greedy conservatives. Racial slurs, which even though I am not afraid to, I just won't use. Racist. Criminal. Illegal. Whore bastard, son of a bitch, uncircumcised Philistines, which is my favorite. (laughs) 
The list goes on and on. I don't say those to shock you. I say them because I know we're all saying them. And I want to call it out because Jesus says this is serious. Because when we are unrighteously angry at an individual, our temptation is to cast judgment and belittle them to make them subhuman. And the way that we manifest that, the way that that comes into reality is when we name them something less than what they are. You see, these words are attempted murder at the imago Dei inside every person. Now, there are righteous times, perhaps, when we should use some of those words. In my experience, the majority of my temptation is to use them unrighteously, to belittle and to hurt, and to demean and to demolish. And Jesus says, when we do that, we are the ones who are liable. He takes it so seriously, he says, liable to the fires of hell. Hmm. Eugene Peterson says, the simple moral fact is this, that words kill. Words kill. Jesus is going after this because Jesus speaks and proclaims unity. And so he says in verse 25, basically, handle your business quickly. Check out what he says in verse 25. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. In verse 23, let's get more serious. If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Now we don't approach an altar, but we do gather together as a church to sing and proclaim the goodness of our Lord. I would find that that would be a great setting to think through, do I have unreconciled relationships that I need to seek to reconcile? Did you see what Jesus said? Go quickly and reconcile. Be reconciled to your accuser. Now, a few things I'd like to point out. Number one, the goal is not, <laughs> the goal is never winning. So my wife and I, we argue a lot. I love winning. I haven't tasted that for 12 years. <laughs> but I'm still married. The goal is not win. The goal is not defeat my opponent. The goal is reconciliation. Jesus here is saying, make that a priority. Quickly go. Even in the midst of a church service, if you remember someone's got something against you, you go and you make it right to the best of your ability. Now, number two. Reconciliation is not always possible. Reconciliation takes two. You with me on that? What I would say that uh, my understanding of the scriptures is this. So far as it depends upon you, be reconciled. And there's times and places. I believe that this quickness should be our attitude in it, but there needs to be wisdom applied as well. Especially, now listen here, especially in abusive Situations, and especially when we're dealing with evil people. We need to be wise, we need to be careful, we need to be cautious. But we need to have the intentionality of reconciliation. 
especially with our brothers and sisters in Christ, who I believe Jesus is speaking here. Come to terms quickly. Matthew 18, if you'd like a a step-by-step on how to do that, go to Matthew 18. Jesus teaches us how to do it. How on earth? How do we do that? You see, the Sermon on the Mount is given by Jesus to show us how to live as citizens of the kingdom of God. But probably like you, when I read the Sermon on the Mount, I don't like it. Like at all. Don't like it. I feel the weight of its conviction. I feel it examining my heart. The Sermon on the Mount was given by the Lord to show us how we ought to live as citizens of the kingdom of God. And he gave the sermon, but he also gave his life to give us the power to live it out. You see, it's intriguing to me that Jesus here is speaking about unrighteous anger, malicious expletives, and hellfire because he took that on. If you read on through the Gospel of Matthew, if you read into Matthew 27, uh, excuse me, Matthew 27, you will find that Jesus himself had malicious anger directed at him, had unrighteous expletives thrown at him, And he took on the hell and the pain of the father turning his face away. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cries out from the cross. He faced it and he took it for you and for me. And he rose from the grave conquering over Satan, sin, and death so that all who believe in him not only are redeemed, not only are saved, not only are rescued, but are empowered to live like this. You see, the only way, frankly, so so I'm angry. And the only way I can live this out is if I cling to the risen Christ. I have to have a vision, not of my own pride, not of my own uh, when I'm offended, not of my own um, preferences. I have to have a vision of Christ crucified and risen. He has to be my vision. He has to be my joy. He has to be my delight. And so I cling day by day, moment by moment. We have to be a people who cling to the risen Lord. It is only by clinging to him that we find the power to actually live this out. I'm gonna pray for us because God knows we need it. And then we're gonna sing together, Be Thou My Vision. I pray that that would be your prayer today. Would you join me as we pray? Lord Jesus.